Welcome to this week's episode of Tech Demand Weekly. I'm Charles Commons, and on this week's episode, we take a look at one of the most successful marketing podcasts out there. The goal of the cast has always been to educate and to entertain. You know, it's not like a, a radio show that needs to be on for three hours. So they're going to run stories about the, you know, cat caught up in the tree and stuff like that because they need to fill the time. John Wall is one half of the Marketing Over Coffee podcast team. John joined me for a chat all about his podcast, and I started by asking him how Marketing Over Coffee came about. So in uh, around 2007, I had been already doing another podcast, actually. I had started just at the very um, beginning of 2006, and uh, it was a cast called The M Show, where it was just kind of me doing the morning DJ thing. And I realized that to be more successful, I needed to niche down, get a, a more specific audience. And then I wanted to add another voice to you know change the soundstage. And so at that point, I hooked up with Christopher Penn, who had been doing a podcast about the financial aid industry, you know, higher education here in the States. And he was doing a lot of marketing stuff. He was an IT guy who had, you know, kind of crossed over to a lot of marketing. And I was a marketing guy who was doing more and more IT stuff every day. So I managed to talk him into cutting some time out each week to talk marketing and tech. And that's where marketing over coffee came from. So your podcast isn't actually like some of the others that I've listened to, which are made by a marketing company or organization that is then part of their branding. Then this is actually something that you just sort of went, I'm a marketeer and I know somebody else who does some, you know, is within tech. Let's just get together and make a podcast for, for fun. Yeah, that really is it. The, you know, the goal of the cast has always been to educate and to entertain, you know, to make it the kind of podcast that we would want to listen to, where we're talking about what's going on in tech. I mean, there's just so much changing, as you know, as you're well aware with, with what you talk about, that the stuff is always moving. And there's a lot of freedom in having, you know, full production an editorial decision, not having to, you know, make sure that stuff stays on brand or not be afraid to check out all the players within a space. Um, if you're podcasting for a brand, there's a lot of things that kind of hem you in a little bit. And this has always been as a side thing, we, our chance to kind of have some freedom and not have a client tell us what, you know, needs to be done. Yeah. I think that, that, that kind of difference, isn't it? With that, that openness, if you like, of you being able to do whatever you want to do. And of course, one of the things that you do is you basically go and take your podcast and record it in a coffee shop. Yeah. It's, well, you know, now, it, lately, Zencaster has become such a great thing for us because it literally gets better sound than in the coffee shop. But yeah, we had originally started at a, a Dunkin' Donuts, which is, a, you know, kind of a chain, but it was so early in the morning that nobody was in the space. So it made it really easy to get together and record on site. And back then we were both actually commuting to other, you know, to our day jobs. So it worked out really well, but now it's mostly virtual. So apart from the fact that you started off by doing it in a, in a coffee shop and, and drinking coffee while you're recording, what, what else is it about marketing over coffee that is different and sets it apart from all the other marketing podcasts out there? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great shows out there, but you know, one of the things that has always been constant is we're always shooting for the 20 to 25 minute mark. You know, our goal was that that's the average commute in the States, you know, the, the amount of time that somebody has to spend in the car getting to their job. So making something that fits in is great because you, there's just so many of these hour long podcasts 
And it makes it very easy for us to just kind of slip in when somebody has a few extra minutes on their workout or their drive. So keeping it very tight is is critical. Another thing is that I've always kept to the national public radio model, the NPR model of, you know, you, you cannot have high enough quality audio. Like you're just constantly make, you know, working to make sure that the audio cannot get any better and that the editing can't get any tighter. Um, because that was something that blew my mind when I started to dig into what they were doing with production. And the thing that really blew me away was that, so the, this cast, this American life was, which is extremely popular. They'll go out and search for 10 or 12 stories and they'll even do some recording and start to flesh them out, but only three or four of them will make it all the way to air. You know, the majority of the stuff that they go out and try and find and record doesn't even see the light of day. And so many marketing and tech podcasts just kind of, you know, they're going to record it and it's going to go out whether or not it's, you know, world-class or not, they kind of get as close as they can and shoot. So we've, you know, always strive to, to make it the highest quality stuff and stuff that people will really want to share, not just filling the time. So do you do that then exactly the same way as NPR with This American Life? Do you, do you maybe have four or five episodes of marketing over coffee that you've never actually released to us? No, it's funny. The, you know, if you're this American life, you can kind of do what you want and go around and tell people, you know, oh, yeah, you stink. I don't need your your stuff. We're <laughs> going to throw out the trash. So for us, it's a lot more work up front. You know, we have to uh, for all of the author interviews, you know, I actually have to read the books before we even talk to anybody. Um, and we have a relationship with a lot of PR people. You know, they actually send us bunches of books. And so we don't engage unless we're pretty much certain that we're going to be talking to the person that have them on the show. And then <clears throat> for the um, content, just the other, you know, half the show tend to be interviews with other people. The other half is topical news stuff with me and Chris. And the big thing there is just that, you know, we don't have any rules as far as how long it's supposed to be or what's in there. So if it's a slow week, it will be a shorter podcast. You know, we will just, there'll be less topics on the list and, uh, you know, we're not going to just talk to fill the time. You know, it's not like a, a radio show that needs to be on for three hours. So they're going to run stories about the, you know, cat caught up in the tree and stuff like that because they need to fill the time. If it's not exciting, you know, it's not going to uh, make the cut for us. And, and the thing is with marketing and tech, even if it's a slow week, there's usually one or two topics in the bin that we didn't have a chance to get to the week before because there's just so much going on. So uh, it's pretty rare that the well is dry. But if it is, you know, we'll wait a couple of days before we put the next one out. What you said before about how, you know, it, it, your editing can't be too tight and, and your audio quality can't be too good. Something that definitely will resonate with an awful lot of people, I think, not just in marketing, but actually in, in the world of podcasting and radio. Um, I mean, one of the things that I'm doing exactly the same is I'm constantly trying buying new equipment and getting more and more bits and pieces in that will actually help me to, to make a better uh, quality product for the end of it. Um, I mean, do you spend a lot of time actually editing your shows at the end of it or, or is it more of a case of we we go in there you've done that many episodes now you and chris you know you, you know you sort of ball off of each other really really well um therefore does the amount of editing that you actually do has that reduced now because you can just go in and go right we're going to record it's going to take 20 25 minutes for us to record it and then all you do in the editing uh, afterwards is is pop on your music at the start and the finish and and then upload it to the world 
Well, no, for Chris and I, even for us, I still do fine tooth comb. You know, I'll go through and just run through every second and clean up everything as much as I can. But the thing is, he and I now have the, you know, the beats and the rapport down so that it takes, you know, very little time. I mean, to do the 25 minute show, it rarely takes me more than an hour to get it cleaned up and ready to post. The The big challenge are the interviews with the authors or people that, you know, aren't as experienced doing audio, then sometimes, you know, to do a 20, 30 minute episode, it can take an hour or two hours to get it all cleaned up and, and the way it wants to go. But yeah, it, it does come down to, and, and it's funny, the NPR model is very informal. It makes it sound like you're just sitting in on somebody's conversation, but the reality is that has just been edited and buffed to a shine with hours and hours of work that you kind of have to work so hard to make it sound clean yet informal. And that is the same thing that we go to because ultimately I always feel that we are competing with those shows. You know, some people think they're just competing with people that are putting out similar content. But the fact is you've got somebody who can choose anything across any genre. And so, you know, you need to be right up there with the the best of the best if you want to try and dislodge somebody and get a few minutes of their time. I completely agree with you there, John, because as you say, one of the things that, you know, people will do is that they've got thousands upon thousands. I think at the last count, it's something like 600,000 podcasts available um, through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever one the research was based on. And you aren't just competing with, with somebody, you know, within the marketing space for your podcast you've got sports podcasts npr you know everything and anything any genre and and there are going to be people that will step out of work and will go i don't want to listen to anything to do with what i do for a living now this is my time but if you make a really good podcast really good audio that they can't say no to even though it's something that that is you know that they've spent all day doing themselves they're still going to want to listen to it. So you you putting yourself into that state and competing with those other podcasts and those other shows actually will end up getting you more listeners and, and therefore getting you a bigger community and, and getting you seen much better, which I, I guess must be the goal for you is to, you know, basically promote yourself as in you and John, uh, sorry, you and Chris and your respective companies. Yeah, the, you know, I think for both of us, it's always been the fact that it was so difficult to get in touch with the community, you know, until, well, it really started with blogging for both of us too. But, you know, there was a point where, as many digital marketers know, where, you know, your friends or family like don't even understand what you do. Like you'd have to take 10 minutes just to explain what your job is. And even then some people aren't going to get it. So the fact that you can find your tribe now, and talk to people about the stuff that you're doing and get real-time feedback and say, hey, I'm trying this you know, tool. Who's tried this? Has it worked for you? Has it worked for me? And you know, ultimately, with any business podcast, if it saves you time or money, you will keep going back. And, and that's really what's you know, worked for us. And so it's over the years, as we've done more and more of this stuff, Chris especially kind of started out doing email automation and then shifted over to PR and you know, PR was so short of analytics and hard data that now ultimately we're finally at Trust Insights where he and Katie Robera founded this company that's doing nothing but data science, uh, you know, digging into data and not just for marketing, for sales and any other content creation. And yeah, I've been able to kind of come along with it too as the podcast has gained enough momentum 
we can now roll this into Trust Insights as part of the whole marketing mix for it. And so, yeah, people can learn about what we do, um, but you know, we still go back to the the same point of, you know, kind of sharing what works and getting a forum where people get honest feedback, which is is so important. One of the things that I really love about when I go and look on your website is in your about page, it actually says there's a, I think, is it a disclaimer or something like that that basically says, we are going to try and make money off you. How is it that you actually go about and, and, and do that for you? Because obviously a traditional podcaster like myself, I, I can make money by having advertisements on my show and, and, and I would never necessarily actually turn around and go, I'm going to directly make a lot of money by selling something to you personally right now. I might sell you a, a discount code for Squarespace or something like that, but to sell an actual product, I, I, it's not something that is mainstream, I suppose, within the podcast community. Yeah. And that's always been part of the joke with us is, you know, our audience is people that are doing these kinds of marketing things. And, you know, we have a privacy policy on our website because everybody thinks you need a privacy policy, but all of our listeners have probably been involved with writing and placing a privacy policy as part of their job. So what that gives us a little bit of freedom to make fun of it and to be brutally honest with stuff. So yeah, like our privacy policy is, um, you know, you have no privacy, basically, you know, anything you do on this website, we're going to take all the information we can. We're going to try and make money off of you. And so, you know, don't think you have any privacy because you won't be disappointed with us. And the same thing over in the LinkedIn group, too. Our, our rules over there are pretty strict as far as, you know, you've got to have a real photo. You've got to be a real person. And we can kick anybody out just because we want to. And we can make fun of you for kicking you out once you're gone. And that's going to be part of the game. Because, again, it's our audience is familiar with all this stuff. And then so as far as making money and actually monetizing the thing, um, yeah, we're a little unique in that, you know, other podcasts kind of need to really dance around the fact that maybe they're sponsored by other software companies or tools. And, you know, we're going to be talking about tools every week anyways, you know, so we have no problem saying, hey, that this vendor here has opted to support the community. They've given us some money so we can keep doing the show for you and you can keep listening to it for free. So whether it's um, LinkedIn or Ahrefs for SEO software, you know, we have these partners who actually pay to get access to the audience. And, you know, it is, again, it's a testament to the niche in that, you know, other podcast advertisers are just looking for their 40 to 60 bucks a thousand or less, you know, trying to just buy bulk audience. Whereas people that sponsor marketing over coffee are coming because they know that they're going to get 10 to 30 leads a month that are, you know, qualified. I mean, we've had sponsors where the leads are better than the pricing requests or demo requests that come to their own website. You know, they have a higher close rate on marketing over coffee listeners that have been directed. And it's funny, it was just made so clear to me a couple months ago, we were at an event where Chris and I were working a booth and there was a competitor next to us that had, you know, an 80 person firm that was huge. And we had people come by and they wanted to talk to us because they've known us for over 10 years. They've listened to us. And so they trust us completely. You know, they, we, they, we're not fly by night and we're not out to just try and rip them off because they trust us and know us. We get a lot more um, just attention and people willing to talk to us than companies 10, 20 times our size. It's actually one of the things so that I do for a completely different podcast that, that I present. It's just a hobby of mine, which is a, a sports podcast. And I'm constantly going to try and 
basically get sponsorship. I'm going to uh, companies which are local to the sports team that we're making the podcast about. And we're, I'm basically having that conversation, which is, you know, look, you know, I will deliver to you these high quality leads simply through you uh, by, by me saying who you are and, and every week, maybe once or twice in a half an hour show, telling people who you are and that, that we like you and you should go there as well. And and actually that, that advertising works far better than any, any other, you know, the traditional marketing, if you like, where you will put, I don't know, a leaflet into a newspaper that goes out, free newspaper goes out and, and you know, they will then say, well, for every household, four people will see that. They don't know that for definite. Um, but that's how you know, traditional marketing has always, or sales has always worked is that, well, I'll pay you this much to reach a thousand people. And then the marketers turn around and say, well, I've reached a thousand people by simply only going through and putting your leaflet through 200 doors. I've actually managed to get that. Podcasting is such a smaller and more unique sort of uh, uh, medium that you can reach those, those, those higher qualified leads, can't you? Yeah, it's really it's a sliding scale. You know, it's you could spend hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars on outdoor campaigns, you know, running billboards and signage all over the place. Or you can spend a tenth of that money and only be talking to people that, you know, have already self-identified as wanting to hear about this kind of stuff. And so there's a place for all of it. But yeah, there's definitely a huge opportunity in having a podcast kind of do the qualification for you. And, you know, getting you the right kind of audience with a whole lot less effort. Have, have you got a favorite episode of Marketing Over Coffee? Something that you would always, you know, sort of say, no, actually go and listen to this one first if you're going to listen to any of them. Yeah, up on the site, we actually have the most popular episodes. So there's a page over there where you can just go and the ones that have had the most downloads over time are over there. There's uh, some of my favorites are ones where I've managed to you know, find a book or an author before they really took off. Like I was one of the first interviews of Simon Sinek when Start With Why uh, had come out. I actually had his PR people came to me. And it's so funny because over time now, there's uh, another one is um, Ryan Holiday, whose book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. It's just a fantastic marketing book. But some of these guys now are so big, it's, it's difficult for me to schedule interviews with them. I have to wait till their next book comes out because it's, you know, they still appreciate uh, the initial interviews that we've done. But now they have teams of five PR people that I have to get through. And it's, uh, yeah, you have some of those, don't you know who I am moments. But, uh, it, you know, it just doesn't work. So, yeah, that, that Seth Godin, too, has been a regular um, guest on the show over the years. And he's had a great just bunch of topics and shows that uh, are a good place to start to dig in. How does your podcast fit in with the rest of your marketing strategy for, for your business, John? Does it fit in that, that, that same strategy or, or not at all? It goes back to the trust thing of it's just amazing at Trust Insights how many times we were doing a demo with somebody and they say, oh, I'm such a fan of the show. You know, I've been listening for years. And in fact, it's I'm not going to say it's a liability, but there is it's funny where there are a lot of people that are willing to do an initial call with us just because they want to talk to us, you know, and they actually you find out that they don't have budget right now and there's no project really there, but they just really wanted to get a chance to get on the phone with us. So we have to, you know, we have a special category of, of calls and webinars. Now we, we can redirect those as opposed to the ones that are real business and leads. But um, yeah, it's 
it, you know, everything kind of feeds off of each other. It gives us an opportunity to feature great content that we've done or that we find out there. And, you know, that gets other people to talk about it, which brings in new people. So it's kind of as long as there's more people coming through the front door, our odds of being able to find, you know, folks that have projects that they need help with keeps going up. How do you sort of see podcasting in, in terms of against other traditional content marketing tools like like webinars, for example? Uh, do, is this because obviously podcasting is 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 a lot newer um, than a white paper or webinars, uh, you know, it, blogging especially, which is I suppose its closest sort of cousin, if you like. Um, but I mean, how how does it kind of compare to those other things? Would would you say do a podcast over doing a webinar? You know, all of them have um, different appeal and tend to you know, attached to people at different times in the buying cycle, which is the big deal. Like webinars are critical. You pretty much always want to have a webinar because if somebody comes to you looking for a webinar, then they have a specific question that they want to get answered. And so that makes them a really high value lead basically, because if the topic of your webinar matches what they're looking for, you've probably got somebody that you're going to throw into a buying cycle. Um, Podcast tends to be a lot earlier in the cycle. You know, it's more, they have, general questions and they want to find out more about things. So it's a good front door. But yeah, most of the time I'm actually discouraging people to get involved in podcasts just because one is that blogging has such a significantly lower barrier to entry that you really want to have a great blog before you even think about doing podcasting because you know you don't have to produce the audio, you just write and it gets up there. And then you get a lot more search engine attention from your blogging posts. You know, the entire post is read by all the search engines and indexed and can start driving you traffic. Whereas, you know, search for podcast is just never taken off. You know, it's you kind of will have your show notes and that's your best shot, but most of the content is locked in there. And in fact, that's why we um, have done the Marketing Over Coffee playbook. We actually came out with a book back in January that has a bunch of the content from the show because there's no other way to find that stuff, you know, unless you're going to go take notes yourself on every podcast. Um, And then at the other end of the spectrum is video where it's a lot more work to produce, but now you're opening yourself up to YouTube as another search engine option. And it's more personable. People see who you are. Um, And so Chris has been doing your his um, you ask, I answer videos, which have been very popular. So, you know, both of those two tend to have a higher ROI than podcasting. Um, so when you finally do get to podcasting, though, the thing is, is it does have the highest intimacy. You know, somebody is kind of making a choice to listen offline and dedicate all their attention to listening to it. But yeah, the podcasting is kind of lower on the list. There's a, there's a lot of stuff you can do that will make money for you faster before you jump into that arena. So you wouldn't necessarily actually tell a marketeer to make a podcast then by the sound of it? Not unless they're already executing on the other stuff, you know, and then, you know, and this is completely self-serving, you know, (laughs) again, in marketing over coffee style, I could just be blunt about this, but like, why would you go build your own podcast first when you could go test advertise on three or four different podcasts just to see if your audience is interested, you know, it's why would you start trying to get from zero to a thousand listeners over a year when for a fraction of the cost within two weeks, you could advertise on a couple podcasts and at least have some data to let you figure out if it's worth doing. 
um, you know, you, you really can get a lot faster up the curve. Now, you know, you advertise on a couple podcasts and you find out that your mailing list goes crazy and everybody on the mailing list immediately runs out because they're looking for fresh podcast content. Well, then, yeah, then start to think about what you're, you know, maybe you want to add that to your mix, but definitely don't just you know, have a team of two or three people go off for three months to build 10 episodes and, you know, lose months and time and dollars and, you know, throw it out there and find out that it's not what people want or people want something else. There's a, a lot better way to to do that and jump on board. And, and of course, the exception of this too is if you're doing something that's, you know, right on the mark. If you're uh, a company that sells audio gear or does music or, you know, something that is audio is already a core component of what it is, well, then, yeah, you probably you know, need to do it just to prove you already know what's going on with it. But for everybody else, yeah, you know, do some testing and um, spend a few bucks spread around first before you bet the farm on yet another content strategy. I've never talked to a marketer that's like, oh, yeah, I really don't have enough content going. You know, I, I, I'm fine with all of my social and blogs and everything else I've got going on. I'm really looking for more work. Obviously, you've been podcasting for quite some time now, John. What What sort of podcasts were you listening to? that made you decide, I want to make one of those? You've already mentioned This American Life. Were there any others? Oh, God, there's so much great stuff out there. And, you know, I've been an audio junkie my entire life. I mean, you know, I was making mixtapes on cassette, and I like to burn my own CDs, and music has always been a huge part of my life outside of work. Um, On the podcast front, you know, in the early days, Adam – Curry, the MTV VJ, was a, a, an early pioneer who just did all kinds of cool stuff. And he kind of did the daily radio show. And he still does a, a show that comes out. I don't know if it's it's not daily, but it's on a regular basis with John Dvorak. That's, uh, you know, fantastic stuff. No Agenda podcast. Um, but other great, you know, it, it's just amazing how for the whole radio scene here in the States and with the BBC too, this has just changed everything for all those people. You know, you had all these people making fantastic content within a single city that was airing during a specific time slot. And now suddenly the whole world has opened up to them and all of them have gone crazy. I mean, the whole um, Gimlet media hmm. acquisition, the, these guys that were producing podcasts and just got um, acquired by Stitcher, you know, all these people in that radio scene were doing an amazing job. And so I think, yeah, that's probably the greatest motivation. Um, you know, another guy I follow is Tom Webster from uh, Edison Research, who has been covering the audio space forever. He actually did a podcast called The Friday Five, talking to people about the five songs that, you know, have had the most impact in their life. And that was just such a fantastic, it, you know, he only did it for about 25 episodes or so, but that kind of content that you kind of can't get anywhere else where it's very personal. It's got a, you know, unique content to it. That's the kind of stuff that always inspires me. Just to sort of finish off then, John, what advice would you have or or what would be your top tips for making a podcast? Content is king always. You know, you want it to be the best quality stuff. But as far as quality of audio, that's I think that's the biggest mistake that people make is you really need to spend some time working with audio and, you know, learn about normalization, learn about uh, compressors, learn about noise gates, all things so that your podcast is going to sound good in the car. It's going to sound good in the headset. It's going to sound good to somebody listening in a room because it doesn't matter how great your content is. If you're below the bar of what somebody can stomach as far as quality, they're not going to give you the time of day. You know, you're going to get cut. So take the time to, and it, it's the same deal as we talked about with advertising too. Don't be afraid to hire a professional for the first 
you know, first round, there's no reason for you to reinvent the wheel. You can find somebody who's, you know, for not a ton of money, will take your audio files and get them in a presentable place. So you've got a fighting chance. It's one of those things, actually, that I've often found myself doing is that I, I can listen to a podcast, start listening to it and be, you know, five, 10 minutes in before I realize that actually the content's not that good. But I've kind of been sucked <laughs> in by the fact that the audio quality is so high that this must be worth listening to. And I, <laughs> and I know that might sound a little bit silly and, and obviously therefore you're not necessarily paying as much attention to it as you possibly could be. But there are so many podcasts out there that, as you say, could have the best content ever. And yet people don't make it past the first 30 seconds because essentially they can't stand the, the, the crackling undertones of what's going on in the background or, or the, the fact that somebody is basically sat no, a mile away from a microphone, whatever it is <laughs> that, that makes you turn it off. Right. Well, I, and I always fall back to the adage that there's no business that's not show business. <laughs> and so this is the case, right? The podcast you talked about with the great audio, that's like you're going to a party in this fantastic mansion, like a Hollywood party. Now, the guests you may get there and the guests may all be people you don't even want to talk to. And you realize, oh, I'm in the wrong place, but you're going to hang out there for a while. And then the opposite is, you, you know, if you're in some dangerous part of town, fearing for your safety, it doesn't matter if it's the most interesting people around you, you know, you're going to leave that and run away. So, yeah, you need to build the whole experience for your listener. And, and yeah, audio quality is a big part of that. Thanks to John Wall of the Marketing Over Coffee podcast. You can listen to the show at their website, marketingovercoffee.com, as well as all the usual podcast places. That's it for this week. Next time, I'm joined by the guys behind the Above the Fold podcast. I'll see you then, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.